Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Scout Fantasy Sports. All right, it's Dr. Roto. Get out the insurance cards. Get out the copay. The office is open, my friends. Now, Adam Ronas, I'm going to say this to you. I ha- the promo was dead on. I said the, the Trailblazers were going to win it in five. Damian you said Lillard- it. Wait, wait, hold up. You said it when they were up 3 1. You want uh, credit right, right. for that? That's a <laughs> no, joke. No, bro. I don't want Come credit on, for that. Be better I don't that. want credit for that. Be I, said go- I said they're going to win the next series. I said Lillard was amazing. But, but, I'm going to be honest. I didn't watch the game until five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. And, now this goes back years now. This goes back maybe 20 years that I'm talking about here. I've always felt the NBA in, 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 in pivotal games that referees do crazy things. Did it feel, and I don't know if you watched the game, but if you watched that game on replay, how come the Blazers were getting every call in the last five minutes and the Thunder did not get one call? It seems so lopsided, I cannot begin to tell you. Uh, yeah, I mean, it happens. Usually, you know, when you're at home, too, you get the calls. I would think that the NBA would want the series to extend. I don't think they want short series. Obviously, more games on television. So we've already seen a lot of the series end. So I don't know if it's a conspiracy theory there. But, uh, you know, the Thunder had control of this game. They were up 15. And uh, I give them credit compared to a lot of the other teams that didn't even show up with the season on the line, uh, but that's a game that they kind of have to hold on and seal it. But, you know, Damian Lillard is an assassin, and he had 50 points last night. He had 10 threes, and everyone's seen the highlight by now, him pulling up from 37 feet, and that was the plan. I mean, he was hitting shots from long range, and that was their plan. He dribbled out the clock, let time run out. He had Paul George in front of him, and he just nailed a three to send them into the next round. I mean, look, that ending was, I'm sitting there going, what's he doing? What's he doing? And he knew what he was doing all along. It was unreal. I mean, and George was in his face. So what an, an absolute stunning ending to that game. I just thought, though, Russell Wilsburg, Westbrook was called for a terrible foul. He was driving to the lane a couple times. There was no foul. Grant didn't get a call. Harkless is getting two calls. George was getting calls. It just seemed, and look, I, I have a general distrust of the NBA during playoff time. And I'm telling you where it starts. Years ago, the Kings were playing the Lakers. And the Kings, and and even before that, the Blazers were playing the Lakers. This is back in the Kobe days. And they just never got a call in the fourth quarter, ever. And I just feel sometimes these referees are a little... I don't know. I just feel like they, they want a certain outcome to happen. But like you, I agree. Why wouldn't you want this series to go further? I, I don't get it, but it really feels if you if anybody watched that game last night, you cannot tell me that that was legit calling in the last five minutes. Yeah, no, there was some bad calls, but Portland made the shots that they needed to. You know, Westbrook uh, took 31 shots from the field, and George was 14 of 20. I mean, that's a situation where, you know, George obviously has had a bad shoulder, you got to get him the ball. I mean, and look, Westbrook's drive to the basket 
was a good one, uh, and the ball almost went in. So it's not like he took uh, a 30-foot shot there. That's what you don't want. I mean, he did take a jumper, I think, within the last two to three minutes. That was a bad shot, uh, and it went off the front of the rim. Uh, but he needed to, to get the ball to George Moore. When you, your other guy has the hot hand, you know, be the facilitator and try and get George the ball because he was 14 to 20. This was the one game where he was shooting well, and you know, Westbrook just did not shoot well uh, most of the season, but especially in these last three games. I mean, Russell Westbrook to me is a scorer. He's not a shooter. He is. He just puts. He finds ways to get the ball in the basket. He does, and I give him all the credit. He's a fantastic player, but he is not a naturally blessed shooter from the outside. But I'm telling you, this Thunder team is missing a third player desperately. George is phenomenal. Westbrook is phenomenal. I do like Stephen Adams a little bit, but they need a third player. They do, and I think that the the Blazers. You know, look, they just needed Lillard last night. McCollum, I, I you know looked pretty shaky. Harkless, Aminu, these guys all fit roles. But I mean, the Blazers have one super, mega superstar and a bunch of good role players, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, the Nurkic loss was big. He played very well for them this season. They were fortunate to get Enos Cantor, who got banged up in this one. Says he'll be ready for it the next round. But yeah, Lillard just took over, and you know, Lillard has been. A good player for a long time for anyone who follows the NBA closely. Obviously, the casual fan is kind of getting a glimpse of him, and he's going to start to get all the credit today. But Lillard's been this good for a long time. I mean, years ago, uh, somebody found the tweet, and they were like, Kobe told you this years ago. Because Kobe put a tweet, I think, four or five years ago, that Lillard was the real deal. And I think everyone has known it since. It's just it came uh, a little bit more on a prominent national level today. He had a game-winning shot. Uh, over Houston several yep. years ago to send them to the next round. So Lillard, that's the one thing with him. He's not afraid of the big moment. He will take the big shots. He He's calm. Uh, the big moment never gets to him, and that's what you love to see in a player. Uh, you could see it. You could just see the calmness in his body. He's not afraid to take the shots, and he has the confidence to know that I'm going to make these shots, and if I don't, I'm going to take the next one, and you could see it. It's a, clear in his body language. If you watch last night's shot at the end of the game, I could think of maybe five players, Kobe, Jordan, Bird, I mean, I, I can't, Reggie Miller maybe, even though Reggie Miller couldn't, never created his own shot, he needed to get open and Curry. shoot on, Curry, I mean, there's, Curry is a good one, how many guys could make that shot in NBA history, I mean, literally in NBA history, how many guys could have made that shot, there's definitely less than 10 people in history that could have done what he did, and that was outrageous, because I'm like, this game's going to overtime, and he just nailed it. Yeah, and it was in a big spot. You you really didn't want to extend that series because if it went back to Oklahoma City for Game 6, you you probably think the Thunder would win and then anything could happen in a Game 7. So that was really important for him to hit that shot. And, you know, uh, Oklahoma City was in control of this game. You know, they, they had the 15-point lead there in the fourth quarter and uh, they could not close it out. And they gave Portland some life. And uh, Lillard took advantage. 10 of 18 from three-point range for Lillard last night. He was just a beast. And Seth Curry went uh looked towards the thunder bench and said watch what he's going to do right now before and they like kind of laughed him oh, off. oh he said that yeah oh god that was the plan that that they they knew it that uh they designed it that way for well, to pull up from uh from the i far. saw him make one the other night on the other side of the court from that same distance so it didn't shock me i mean it shocked me but it didn't shock me if that makes sense like i can't believe that's the last shot that you came up with but i did see him shoot one on the other side of the court you know in, in one of the previous games i'm like man this guy's range is my, my kid plays nba 2k it's then they hit called limited limitless range that was limitless range adam yeah and you know it's funny too because paul george after the game said that it was a bad shot 
that, you know, that's not a shot you want to take. take. And, uh, you know, he made it, but it wasn't a bad shot. And everyone's kind of killing George for his comments. Well, he's probably right, though. It isn't a shot. That isn't a very... If he, if he misses it, everyone's going to say, what are you doing? How much... Right? That's how sports works, though. It's all about the outcome. And I, people would be like, what is he doing? You had 15 seconds left, and you dribbled out the clock to shoot from 37 feet. You know, if he missed, that's what they would say. If, they, if he missed that shot, they go to overtime, and the Thunder win... That's what everyone would say. Like, right. what is Lillard doing? Why is he taking a shot from Totally him? true. He, totally he true. He makes it, wins the game, he's a hero. That's the right. way sports works, right? You hit you miss, you miss, hit the winning field goal. Oh, you're the great decision to kick it from 53 yards. He misses. What is he doing? Why are you selling for a 53-yard field goal? That's the way sports works, right? That's people love to second guess. I try not to do that. I Look, was it a wise shot? No, from based on percentages. But then again, you know, Lillard has been hitting those shots. I, I think I saw a stat like he's hit like six shots from over 30 feet. Um, I don't know if it was in the series. Uh, Curry, if he takes that shot, you're like, hey, it's Stephon Curry, right? He hits those all the time. Now, if it's somebody else taking the shot, then you're like, what are they doing? No, but you're absolutely right. If he makes the shot, he's the hero. If he doesn't do it, he's out of his mind. What was he thinking? It makes no sense. No, that, that's, that's fair for a point. But you would have to say, I mean, out of 100 shots... How many times does that go in? 23? I mean, that's a low percentage play. Yeah. No, it is. It is. Uh, you have to be awfully confident to take that shot. Uh, yeah. And obviously Lillard was. <laughs> it went in. But yeah. it was just uh, an amazing performance for him last night. And uh, I was glad to see it because Lillard, I feel like, again, I think the hardcore NBA fan knows how good he is. I think the casual fan probably does not because you don't see him marketed that well. Uh, you hear about Curry and and Wet and Westbrook and Harden and the Sixers. You you know he's in Portland and give him credit too. He's never wanted to go anywhere. He said he wants to stay there and win. So uh, it was good to get see him get his due in the spotlight. All right. So there's another game seven last night in the NHL, Adam, and it was one of the craziest outcomes I've ever seen in a hockey game. I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights are winning 3 nothing with about 10 minutes to go. They call a major penalty, and they, the other team scores. Was it three goals? Was it three goals during that penalty? Four. Was it four during the penalty? Yeah. Unreal. Four goals, and then the Vegas ties it up with like 47 seconds to go, only to lose in overtime. I have never seen an outcome like that in my life. And if you watch that play on slow motion... It was a bad call. Now, maybe in game time, maybe I can, I can buy into it. But if you look at that slow motion, which they showed on ESPN last night, that was not a major penalty. Yeah, I don't think it was either. I think it was a bad call. And for those that are not familiar with hockey, the reason why it was such a crucial call is when you get called for a major penalty, it's five minutes. And if you score during that time, the power play doesn't end. You get the entire five minutes. Whereas a typical power play, that's a minor for two minutes. You score, the power play's over. So they had the man advantage for five minutes, and that's why they were able to score four goals, and it clearly changed the tenor of the game. It was 3 nothing with 10 minutes left. I kind of tuned away. I said, all right, I'm going to go back to basketball. It's 3 nothing. You know, three goals in 10 minutes in hockey can happen, sure, but uh, I didn't realize that they were on a major, and I turned around, it's 3-3. I'm like, what the hell happened here? And found out that it was a, a major call, and... You know, San Jose just uh, was relentless, but Vegas, give them credit, you know, pulled the goalie and scored in the final minute to tie it. And then uh, San Jose won at the end of regulation. So uh, a series where they came down from three games to one, 
Uh, I don't think there were any lead changes in the series until yesterday. And, you know, I tweeted out, I know there's a lot of people that don't like hockey, but I've always said it, you know, if you don't like hockey, you got to watch game seven in hockey. And I know the first game wasn't as thrilling, although it was closer than the score indicated. The Bruins won over Toronto 5-1, but that was a 2-1, 3-1 game, and they scored some goals late. But but game seven in hockey is just every bounce of the puck, every shift is just so exciting and Man, that was one of the most insane playoff games you will ever see in hockey. Now, maybe I'm wrong in saying this, and, and I don't want to start creating uh, new, uh, new rules in hockey. I don't watch hockey enough. I used to as a kid, but not, not as much anymore. Doesn't that seem a little crazy that you can score four goals in that one major misconduct penalty because the penalty doesn't, uh, you know, with most with with uh, tripping and, and uh, for, or all these other things that you guy you score the guy gets out of the box it's over. I mean to keep it like that that was a big game changer. Do you think they might change the rule because of this? No, uh, you gotta you know you, if you do that and then you know these major hits boarding and you know it's already a rough game as it is then if there are only two minutes you you might see more of it. So I think you need to have that in place to prevent these terrible penalties and you usually don't see that you usually don't see four goals in a five minute span even on a power play it's very rare that you see it you sometimes barely see two goals in a five minute span on a major so this was just a case of San Jose everything went right they had the momentum they had the building behind them they had a lot of energy and it just kind of piled up and uh, they were able to take advantage of it Uh, but you know San Jose's been a team that's been one of the top teams in the conference year after year and they never get there and uh, we'll see what they can do now as uh, they got a little momentum on their side. So game seven tonight is at the Capitals against the Hurricanes Capitals the Stanley Cup champions that'd be strange for them to be out so early. Well it is hockey and we already have the top seeds in each conference eliminated in round one So uh, I definitely will be rooting against the Capitals, and hopefully they go down tonight. Uh, I just want anyone to win the Cup. Just for chaos. Well, no, I just hate the Capitals. They've always been a kind of rival of the Rangers. I just want to see anyone win the Cup except the Islanders. That would be the worst nightmare if the Islanders win the Cup this year. I was just going to say, how do the the, the Islanders and and Rangers are rivals? Do you consider the Capitals rivals of the Rangers? Yeah, definitely. More than the Flyers? Big Flyers, too. Caps, Flyers, Islanders, Devils, all those teams. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't. I hate the Capitals less than I think those teams. I think. Maybe well, I, I don't want them to win. I hate them more than Carolina. I can tell well, you that. That, well, that, that. That's true. Sometimes I like chaos. I just want to see like the, the team that doesn't always make it make it. So we'll be rooting for the Hurricanes tonight. All right. So there's some day baseball. We'll discuss it. What's going on? We'll let you know right after these messages. Made Sailors is the leading cleaning service in New York City and Boston. We service homes, offices, corporate apartments, and Airbnb turnarounds. Give us a call or a text at 212-299-5170 to book now. That's 212-299-5170. Use the promo code FNTSY for 15% off your first cleaning. For more information, go to madesailors.com. That's madesailors.com. What's your IRS problem? Do you owe back taxes? Is there a lien placed on your property? Have your bank accounts been frozen or seized? Have your wages been garnished? Are you being audited by the IRS? Are they sending you letters that demand actions and have urgent due dates? Well, solving your tax problems is as easy as calling Taxes 321. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. You need the best representation to give you peace of mind. 
you need experienced professionals that can cut through the red tape and stop the collection process. If you have a serious problem with the IRS, call the Taxes 321 Network today. We'll get them off your back. 800 961 361 it wasn't like a bad shot, even though that's what Paul George said it was. He purposely walked the ball to that corner. Oh, yeah. He could have drove. He could have done anything he wanted. He steps back on sidestep and drills that 37-footer to win it. I could not have been more happier for Damian Lillard. Welcome to the national stage, my friend. If you didn't know who he was prior, you bet your ass you're going to know who he is from here on out. Weekdays, 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back. Dr. Roto here with Adam Ronis. And we're talking fantasy baseball. All right, Ronis, there's some day games today, a bunch of day games. You didn't play the day slate, did you? No. Did you ever play the day slate? Usually, no. Yeah, I, I, I almost never play the day slate. Maybe on a Sunday, and I, if I ever play on the weekends, which is rare, but it might be on a Sunday, but uh, not usually. So, all right, three games going on now. The Cardinals playing the Brewers. The Cardinals, uh, it's 3-1. to one. Uh, Marcelo Zuna just hit a three-run home run. Adam Wainwright is going four innings, three hits, uh, one strikeout, one run. And Jules Chassin, three innings, uh, three earned runs. He just let up the home run there. Eric uh, Th- uh, Thames with a home run. It looks like Thames is going to be the first baseman, and Jesus Aguiar may be back to playing against lefties, Ronis. Yeah, I'm not sure what they're going to do here. Obviously, Aguiar is off to a rough start. Uh, some of the underlying numbers, though, are, are really not that bad. He's still making some hard contact. But, you know, what you always worry about is, is there an alternative for the team to turn to? And in this case, they do have a guy in Eric Thames who has shown in the past that he can be a major power source, especially against right-handed pitching. So uh, he's in the lineup today. He homered off Wainwright in the first inning. And, you know, you could see him get some time. There's also the possibility, too, that, you know, you see Yasmani Grandal play a little bit more at first base. He did yesterday. Obviously, Grandal is one of the top offensive catchers in baseball. And in the National League, you know, they got to sit him more. Uh, you know, he's going to get the – Afternoon games off, then the night games off, get some Sundays off, and uh, they probably want his bat in there. So you could see him also play some first base. So, yeah, Aguiar owners definitely have to worry about it just because if it was a different player on another team and they didn't really have a better option, they might be more patient. But in this situation with Milwaukee, they have alternatives. They can go to Thames. They can put Grandal at first base. So they've given Aguiar two days off in a row. My guess is they probably also want him to just mentally – check out for a couple days, and you'll see that happen. So uh, I don't think it's completely over for him. I'm interested to see what happens over the next couple days to see if he gets back in there because, you know, everyone's going to say, yeah, last year was a fluke. He never did it before. But but I don't think so because he always hit in the minor leagues. Uh, He always showed good power. And, you know, his strikeout rate is actually down from last year. His walk rate is up. You know, he's got a 180 batting average of balls of play. So that is definitely showing that there's some poor luck at play. And, you know, his hard hit rate is slightly down, but only 6%. So he's still hitting a lot of line drives. So it depends how Milwaukee looks at it. If they're that deep into the analytics and they're looking at stuff, they'll say, you know what? 
Uh, there's definitely some poor luck here. We'll give him more of a shot, but they do have a alternative in Thames who has shown he can produce big power at the major league level. Now, I didn't see what happened, Adam. Maybe maybe you're watching him more closely than I. The Royals are leading the race 3-1 to one in the top of the fourth. Blake Snell was taken out of the game after three and a third innings, uh, letting up the home run to Whit Merrifield. He only threw 65 pitches. I know, was he injured, Adam, or do you think this was a case of the, the Rays just bringing him along slowly? Uh, I haven't seen. I didn't see if he was on a pitch count before the game. You know, maybe the toe was bothering him more than – then we know. Um, so who knows? Uh, haven't seen anything at this point. I don't know what their plan was for him coming in. Uh, you know, we really didn't find out until yesterday that he was officially going to make this start. So I guess we'll find out shortly. All right. Mato, Mato. All right. Jake Junis, three innings, four hits, four strikeouts. I, I have him, I think, in labor runners, but he's been disgusting. Do you like Junis in general? Uh, no, he's not someone that I was looking at. I mean, number one, the team context is bad. So I know there's a lot of bad teams. And, you know, I do have pitchers on the Marlins, and I know they're not going to win many games. But, you know, uh, Pablo Lopez is a guy I like a lot. And you saw why yesterday. Now, if Carrasco stayed in that game, who knows if he wins. Uh, and the wins are going to be difficult to come by. I think you could say the same with a guy like Junis. But he just allows too many home runs, and especially now where you're seeing the ball fly over the fence. I mean, last year he allowed 1.63 home runs per nine innings. I mean, in a year where the home runs went down compared to 2017, and uh, that's the biggest issue for me. Uh, so uh, he's not someone that I like. All right, the Cleveland Indians are beating the Marlins 2-1. to one. Jeffrey Rodriguez finishing five innings, one earned run, three strikeouts. Jose Ramirez with a home run off of uh, Sandy Alcantara and, of course, a stolen base. Ramirez only hitting 176 for the year, but he's got to heat up soon, right? Yeah, and at least he's contributing in the stolen base department. I think that's now six. So, uh, you know, a lot of people were kind of worried about Ramirez because he wasn't hitting breaking pitches last year over the final couple months. And... Uh, you still have two years of really solid production. So I don't have him anywhere because I did not like him at the three spot. Uh, and that's generally where he went, three, four spot. I took Yelich over him instead. Uh, but Ramirez, I think, will wind up putting up good numbers. And especially you got Lindor back. And, uh, you know, we'll see if this offense can get going. There's still holes here. But, you know, he's already got, you know, a second home run today, six stolen bases, and I got to think the other numbers will pick up. So maybe he doesn't live up to the third best player in fantasy baseball, but uh, I think he'll pick it up. All right, now you see Jeffrey Rodriguez's line is five innings, three hits, three strikeouts. I'm just giving you the Marlins lineup. Grandison Prado, Anderson Walker, Castro Alfaro, Rojas, Isaac Galloway, and some guy named Bertie. This is not a great lineup here, Ronas. I think everybody gets inflated numbers against the Marlins. Yeah, of course. Uh, this is a team that you could easily pick on. They're not going to win a lot of games, and you know they have excellent pitching, man. I really do like their starting pitching. Uh, they have some good arms there, but the problem is they're just not going to get any run support. This is a, a pathetic lineup. I mean, they can't even get anything out of Lewis Brinson, who is now, I believe, sat two days in a row. Uh, he had some signs in the spring. People started to get excited, but once again, uh, he's doing nothing at the major league level, and it's pretty sad that you cannot even get everyday playing time on the Marlins. So there's just there's not much here. I mean, the only guy for fantasy that I really like is Alfaro, a catcher, and maybe Brian Anderson. That's about it. Uh, I think Alfaro is the only guy I have in this lineup on a, on a fantasy team this year. 
All right, let's take a look at some of these other games uh, in the day slate and, of course, in the evening slate. Washington, Colorado, it's a 310s Eastern start. We've got Anibal Sanchez against Herman Marquez. Marquez, pretty good pitcher. A lot of people thinking of him as one of the top 10 pitchers in the National League before the season started. Colorado's a minus 170. The over-under is 10.5. Who do you like today? I got to like Marquez in this spot. You know, uh, yesterday I liked Corbin even though he was in Coors Field and he was solid. So Marquez, most of his starts, I believe, have come on the road. I think he had one start at home and he wasn't good. And the Nationals can be a tough lineup, but uh, I think you have to lean towards Marquez. Yeah, I think so too. And I, I think he's no problem uh, pitching at Coors Field. All right, Texas against Oakland. Kyle Dowdy, some guy I've never heard of, Ronas, against Aaron Brooks. Uh, Oakland is a minus 165 here in nine and a half runs. Would you stack a A's against Kyle Dowdy. Yeah, I think you can uh, for, for sure. Uh, A's came through yesterday. Uh, Matt Chapman off to a great start this year. So a uh, lot of bats in this lineup. Chris Davis, Marcus Semien off to a good start. So yeah, I think you can. Uh, he's a right-hander though, and you know, A's have a lot of right-handed bats. But uh, you know, it's not like he put up good numbers uh, in the minor league. So uh, yeah, I think you can. The Rangers first baseman batting seven today, Patrick Wisdom. I've never even heard of that guy. I heard of him. I actually thought he was going to be the third baseman for a while. I took him into draft champions like in the 40-something round before they signed Estrubal Cabrera. So uh, I thought he was going to be their third baseman, and then they went out and signed Cabrera. And I was like, okay, there goes that. Look at Rona showing some wisdom there. All right. Seattle against San Diego. Felix Hernandez against Chris Paddock. Look, I'm just starting Chris Paddock all the time and if DFS. I mean, that guy is really, really good. I don't like Felix Hernandez here. Uh, this game is San Diego's favorite, minus 180, over-unders 8.5. Are you on board with Paddock being a special pitcher? Yeah. I mean, I took him in Tau Wars. Uh, I have him in another league. I think I have him in two or three leagues. Obviously, the price started to go up as we got closer to draft day, so I wasn't able to, to get him as often. Uh, the one thing with him is, you know, he's got to be able to go a little bit deeper in the games to get that win. He has yet to win a game on the season, uh, and they're going to be real conscious of his pitch count. So that's the one thing that you have to take in mind in DFS is, you know, he's pitched four games and gone 20 innings. My math tells me that's an average of five innings per start. So that's look the only you. issue. You're so good at math, Ronald. I, I am. I'm very impressed. Now look at them. I don't know if you see the Mariners lineup in front of you. Hanager one, Vogel back two, Santana three, Narvaez four, Beckham five, Gordon six, Healy seven, Malik Smith eight. They're basically going right, left, right, left, right, left, right, left, down through that lineup. But Vogel back batting second there. Could this be something that sticks much like the Mets with Alonzo? No. My um, guess is no. Uh, again, they're in a National League park, so they don't have the DH. So I think that's a factor too. And also, you know, the that's – not really a, a great bottom half of the lineup there either. So I think this is just a, a one-time thing. I mean, you don't want D. Gordon hitting sixth in your lineup. So I just think this is a case of uh, not having the DH today. Okay. San Francisco playing Toronto. Drew Pomerantz against Clay Buchholz. San Francisco favored on the road, minus 125. The over-under is 8.5. Would you start Clay Buchholz today? No. I mean, I know it's the Giants, but, you know, you got to like some of these Giants bats better on the road. Like, I played Brandon Belt yesterday, and he homered. So, uh, it's still not a good lineup, but it's on the road. And the Buckholtz, uh, you know, I know he's flashed at times over the last year or so, but I, I wouldn't use him. 
Well, you know, the thing is about a guy like Buckholz, it's like Andrew Kashner from last night. They're not very good, but look, even bad pitchers, even Andrew Kashner is going to win eight games. He's going to go like eight and 14. I, I, you just don't know which of the eight games he's going to win. So that's what makes all this hard, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. I mean, and you could easily see him go four or five innings and not really do much. So that's, uh, you know, we like to pick on the Giants and the Marlins, but. You know, they're going, just like you said, the pitcher, those offenses are going to have some games too, and Buckholz would be a pitcher that they possibly could hit. What are your thoughts on Rowdy Telez uh, for the Blue Jays? Is he somebody with some power that's worth picking up? Oh, yeah. I mean, I have him in Tout Wars. I picked him up, I think, after week one, uh, when the first fab period, because I thought he was going to get some playing time, and especially that they dealt Morales. He's 24 years old, and, you know, Vlad Guerrero should be up potentially Friday. He homered again today. He's tearing it up in AAA. So that will only help this lineup. So, yeah, I mean, he's actually had a, a decent on base, 333. He's got five home runs. He hit the grand slam yesterday. So I think, yeah, in 15-team leagues, you can own him because he's going to get everyday playing time. If you had a son, would you name him Rowdy Ronas? It's a possibility. but it's not bad, uh, right? Yeah. Is that better than, you know, Jason Braddock had sons Legend and Boss? Do you like Legend Ronas or Boss Ronas? It's different. So I kind of like it, but I still want it to be even more unique than that. Than Rowdy Ronas? That's pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. I want something a little bit more unique. I definitely don't want a common name. I'm going to have to fight whoever's the mother <laughs> on that. Because I'm sure I can be like, no, let's name him Jason. No. Oh, no. <laughs> I don't think so, Ronas. Like, nah, we got to do something different, man. It's get have get, like, get like a hyphen in there, an apostrophe or something like that. Yeah, or like, you know how you have to do your passwords and have different symbols? So we'll put like yeah. a money sign at the end of his name. That's a good idea. No one's ever done that, right? Well, did I ever tell you a story? So I'm in class in high school, and my teacher goes, let's play hangman. And if anybody gets this question right, I'll give you some sort of prize. And he, there's like, he puts a one, one dash, and he goes, it's a movie. And we're like, we didn't know what it was. Did you know there was a movie named Dollar Sign? Oh, no. Yeah. Goldie Hawn was in it or something like that. I'm like, none of us got it. We were very bummed out. We're like, how can we not get it? It's only one letter. There you go. Yeah. I didn't even know that either. Yeah. I, I like that dollar sign Ronus. I, I like where you're going with that. Ronus. Yeah. Or at the end, like a dollar sign and an exclamation point. You know how you have to do with passwords <laughs> now on some sites? I'm like, are you guys kidding me? So you want a number, a lowercase letter, and like seven symbols? Like, that sounds what? like Scout Fantasy. <laughs> like, what are you doing? Like, I understand protecting passwords and everything, but geez, man, like, I can't even remember that. Like, no one can remember that. Right. It's a capital letter. It's, a th it's at least eight letters, and then I need a symbol. Are you kidding me? Yeah. I can barely remember my name every day. Come on. It's crazy, and we all have so many passwords, and I'm sure we don't <laughs> use the same password for everything. You have to differentiate somewhere, and then what are you supposed to do? Write it down, and then someone robs your house, finds your passwords, and milks your bank account? Well, that's the thing. I mean, you try to do derivatives of things that you remember, but, I mean, how I don't remember all my derivatives every time. Yeah, I have to write some of them down, but I don't write down the whole thing. Like, I'll do, right. like, a hint in case someone finds it and goes, oh, and I'll do, like, shortcuts. Like, I won't yeah. say what it's for. Like, right. I'll have a nickname for, yeah. and, I'll, and, I'll, and I'll look at it and be like, okay, I know what that is. Do you Everybody put it in your else. phone, like, in a code? No, your, I don't put anything notes? in my phone. Nope. Yeah, because you don't I think people, phone. I think people with their phones, it's dangerous, man. Everyone does everything on their phone, man. I know. I tell kids when they have to put down important information, I'm like, put it in some secret code. Right, some code like put some numbers and letters in between that only you would understand. Because look, I get a, I get a hold of your phone. I know your all your information. Right, and usually there's you know a password protected, so you can't open the phone. Uh, or even now they got the thumbprints, which right. is even 
better, but it's annoying if you have to do that to activate your phone every time. Well, that's why you got to cut off the guy's thumb and just take it with you. You can do that too. See, they're encouraging murder. Exactly. Or, <laughs> More violence. More violence, yeah. <laughs> I don't really want you. I just want your thumb. Right, that's yeah. It. yeah. Look, I, I'm going to just... <laughs> you know, inject you to knock you out. I'm not going to kill you. I just need your thumbprint for your phone. <laughs> exactly. I take that and I'm good. All right. Last one here for the day slate. Atlanta against Cincinnati. Mike Soroka against Tanner Roark. Normally, I like Roark at home, but I don't know whether I like him in Cincinnati. But Soroka, I like a lot, Adam. Yeah, he's a good pitcher. And, you know, he was solid in his first start. And we knew going into the year he was good. We just didn't know what his role was going to be. And then we found out he was going to begin the year in the minor leagues. And he was dealing with the shoulder. So uh, the Reds offense is starting to get going a little bit. We saw Yasiel Puig homer yesterday. Uh, and, you know, that is a good home ballpark. But uh, I would lean towards Soroka. I always hate you. Do you know why this is, and maybe there's no good reason, why some managers get their lineup cards in early and some literally wait until about five minutes before the game? Well, I don't think anybody does five minutes before the game in baseball. But Even in baseball, it could be like an hour or two. You're like, you, you don't, like at the 7 o'clock when, when, it, when the uh, DraftKings and FanDuel, I, so, some lineups still aren't out. Well, I think it depends on the circumstance. Like I know the other day, I think it was Monday. Was it Monday when the Mets were in a rain delay? Like their lineup came out real late. And I think in that situation, they were waiting to figure out what was going on with Robinson Cano. So I think there are certain scenarios. You know, Anthony Rendon's been a guy the last couple of days where they kind of weren't sure what they were going to do because they did not put him on the injured list. And my guess is they thought he was going to play. And I'm sure owners in weekly leagues had to make a decision like, oh, what do I do? And it's like, you don't want to lose games at Coors Field for Anthony Rendon. And obviously, he's out again. Uh, I think Mike Moustakis is another one. So I think there are certain scenarios where teams wait because it's an injured player. Like but, the Twins lineup for 8 p.m. was out like two hours ago. I, but right, okay, so right now, the Pittsburgh Pirate lineup is out and the Red Sox lineup is out. That's it. The, only, the Twins aren't out. Yes, they are. They've been uh, out for two hours. Really? I don't see yeah. it out. I don't see it out. Kepler, Polanco, Cruz, Rosario, Crone, Marwin, Estudillo, Adrianza, and Castro. All right. I see it there, but I don't see the green, uh, green dot that says it's confirmed. What, on DraftKings? Uh, no, on, another, on a rotowire. I don't see it there. Okay. Well, that doesn't mean it's not. I, just, I only see Pittsburgh and I see Boston. But like Detroit, Arizona, White Sox, Baltimore, Phillies, Mets, what are they waiting for? It's 239, Doc. They haven't opened the clubhouse yet. Listen. They don't have to put I it. I need to know. Well, they're not working for no, you. What do you think? What time is appropriate time? Five by the five? Met, no, the Mets usually, if it's a 7 p.m. Eastern game, what they do is they'll open the doors to the media around 3, 3.30, and the lineup will be posted on the door. And that's when the beat writers start tweeting it out. All right, there you have it. All right, we'll take a break. We'll look at the night slate, and hopefully we can win you some money when we return right after this. If you've heard of WeatherTech floor liners, you probably know that for your vehicle's floor, nothing protects better. But what about protection for the rest of your car or truck? I'm David McNeil, founder of WeatherTech. Besides our floor liners, we design, engineer, and manufacture a wide range of automotive accessories right here in America. And just like our floor liners, everything is done to the highest standards possible. We understand what kind of investment owning a vehicle can be, so we do everything possible to help you protect it. We don't take shortcuts, and we never make concessions when it comes to quality. For everything from cargo liners to cleaning and detailing supplies to mud flaps and car covers, the one place you need to go is WeatherTech.com. So if you are familiar with our floor liners, 
Just imagine how well the rest of our products will work for you. Learn more about our full line of automotive accessories at WeatherTech.com or call 1-800-CARMATS. WeatherTech.com. Proudly made in America. Maurice Allen, 2015-2016 European Long Drive Tour Champion, 2017 World Number One. Me personally, I keep my game face on me all the time. Especially coming out of the bunker, leaving the range, or even leaving the course. What's your story? Go to GameFaceGrooming.com for all your athletic facial wipes and body cleansing needs. Fantasy. How long will he stay healthy? That's the question regarding Adam Eaton. But I think as long as he's on the field, especially leading off for this Nationals lineup, it's a great lineup. That's even without Anthony Rendon in there and Trey Turner has been banged up as well. We know that he's out. Adam Eaton has been doing his job, and I think as long as he plays well, he's going to continue to lead off. I worry about once Trey Turner is back, is Victor Robles is all the way back down to batting ninth. That's my question. Probably so. Weekdays, noon Eastern on FNTSY Radio and on your popular podcast providers. All right, we're back for Scout Fantasy Sports, guys. It's here for fantasy football players and NFL betters. The season starts now. The first round of the 2019 NFL Draft is this Thursday, April 25th. And for serious fantasy football players, it's never too early to start preparing for the 2019 season. Roto Experts has you covered with their NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package, including the best math-based seasonal projections and rankings available anywhere on the Internet. Davis Maddock and the Roto Experts are providing dynasty, season-long betting, best ball, and NFL Draft content Every day of the year to give you an edge, regardless of what type of fantasy football you play. So I want you to save 10% at rotoexperts.com with the promo code FNTSY. That's 10% off with promo code FNTSY. It's the NFL 365 Fantasy Football Package only at rotoexperts.com. I'm getting very annoyed, Adam, with this whole, is Kyler Murray going to go one? Cliff Clingsbury is not taking this job if he doesn't take Kyler Murray number one. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, I just think sometimes, you know, a lot of stuff gets thrown out there and they're trying to drum up maybe other teams to trade. Who knows, man? But you would think that all signs port to Murray, but we have heard talk the last few days that it isn't a lock that they take him. Look, let's put it this way. It is a living lock that they take in Clingsbury runs that this quick offense and Murray's the perfect quarterback for during the year. Clingsbury said that he would take him number one if he had the chance. I think the only question is, when do you trade Josh Rosen? How soon do you trade drop Josh Rosen? And there was some report before we got on the air where the Cardinals are thinking about having both these guys on their roster. I think that's probably the biggest factor, too, of why that's kind of leaked out there. Maybe they had hoped to trade him by now, and the fact that they haven't made a deal, they're like, oh, no. I think they did some – remember when the teams uh, unveiled their schedule and the Cardinals did theirs? There was no pictures of Josh Rosen in there. So I think that's a telltale sign. So that that might be the issue is that they thought, man, we'd probably be able to deal him by now. But we know how this works. You know, draft night could come, the pressure – some teams realize, oh, man, we're not going to get a quarterback that we wanted. There's not a lot of good quarterbacks. Yeah, you know what? Let's trade for him. So I wouldn't be surprised if you see him tra- uh, traded tomorrow night. Now, some uh, late, late buzz here. Did you see that the uh, there's some talk the Redskins want to move up to, like, the top three to get Haskins? I mean, good for the Jets, but bad for Redskins. Yeah, they, they, they have to think that. Uh, there's a team in front of them that could take him, and maybe that's their guy. Uh, that's the guy that they believe in. I mean, when you look at this draft, there's – Really not a lot of good quarterbacks, and maybe they're sold on him. And uh, 
there could be a couple teams in front of them that that could take them. So that's probably why they feel the pressure uh, to move up. And we've seen this in the past. Uh, sometimes that doesn't work out. If the Jets can go from three to fifteen and get a first rounder next year, I'd do that in a heartbeat. And still get a pass rusher, right? Right, because I think at fifteen you could still get somebody you need, and then you get a first round. You have the two first round picks next year. You're in business. They don't want number three anyway. Yeah, it doesn't seem like it. So yeah, that might work out well for them. Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at the night slate. Um, let's start it out with Arizona against Pittsburgh. Merrill Lynch Kelly against Jordan Lyles. Pittsburgh a slight favorite at one twenty. Uh, eight runs is the uh, total here. Lyles been really good at him. Yeah, and I don't think the Diamondbacks are as good on the road, so I think he's in play. I think he left his last start. I think it was a hand injury. I did pick him up at my home league, so I have him, and I'll be using him. He's gone at least six innings in each of his last two starts with 16 strikeouts, two walks, so uh, certainly could use him. You might get that feeling, oh, no, is this another Homer Bailey from last night, but uh, I think Lyles is in play tonight. All right, do you like any of these stacks here, either of these teams? I don't think I like either of them. No, I don't. Yeah. All right, White Sox against Baltimore. Irvin Santana with an ERA of 10.38 against John Ways and Means. Baltimore, a favorite at minus 125, the over under 10. I might be taking a little money line here with the White Sox. Uh, you can. I mean, you never feel good about either of these teams. You know, Santana's been terrible too, and it's Camden Yards, so the temperature – it's around 70, I believe, right now on the East Coast. It's pretty warm today, so uh, it's already a small ballpark. So the over-under is 10. So I could see uh, both sides uh, getting it done offensively. Although I think a lot of people were on the White Sox stack last night, and that didn't work out. Yeah, you got to be careful. I mean, sometimes when it looks too good, it is too good. And I, and I, was, uh, I got off that White Sox stack. I only had him in one lineup, Adam. Uh, yeah, I was going to use Alonso, and then I pivoted to Brandon Belt. Yeah, there you go. Uh, somebody also thought Pilar going back to Toronto would have some vengeance, and he did. Yeah, he had a pretty good game. Uh, so uh, if you like that revenge factor, there you go. It worked out for Pilar. I live for the revenge narrative. You know that. All right, Philadelphia Phillies against the New York Metropolitans. Vince Velasquez against Jason Vargas. Philadelphia minus 130, over-under is 9. Vargas was actually good the last time out against uh, the Cardinals. Can he be good twice in a row? Unlikely. Uh, Philly's lineup obviously is not the same with some of the injuries, but some big right-handed bats here that I think are in play. Uh, you know, Hoskins would be a good play for sure, and he's pretty pissed off after they threw at him in the ninth inning twice last night. So, uh, yeah, I think you could use some of the right-handed bats for Philly. Well, Real Muto, Hoskins, Franco stack? Uh, yeah, I think you can. And I like uh, Cano for the Mets. I think is is his price still cheap? Like on DraftKings, he's been like thirty six, thirty seven for like weeks. Yeah, you like him tonight? Yeah, and Conforto. All right, Adam Weiss. I'm writing this down. Mets count Cano. All right, I'm with you. Okay. Oh, uh, you like BVP, right? Conforto's got three home runs against Velasquez, six oh. for twelve. Oh yeah, no, I like that. Yeah, that that's a at the least that's a one off. Okay, I'm getting a circle on that one. All right, Detroit against Boston. Tyson Ross against Eduardo Rodriguez. Boston, 225. Nine and a half runs is this one. Man, I don't like Tyson Ross ever, but I don't think I like him tonight at all. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I liked Rodriguez going into the year. He's been a disappointment. He was better as the last start, but the Tigers are bad against lefties, man. I didn't realize how terrible they were, so... 
I do think he's in play tonight, and uh, the Red Sox have got to win this game, man. They got swept in a doubleheader yesterday. Uh, Nick Castellanos is not hitting yet. He doesn't have a home run. Miggy's not hitting for much power. Uh, it's a pretty weak lineup, so uh, I do think Rodriguez is uh, in play tonight. Who do you stack in this one? For the Red Sox? Yeah, because you know there's going to be a lot of Red Sox stacks out there. Oh, yeah, that probably will. Uh, probably the top of the order, man. Um, Betts is starting to come on. He drove in a couple runs yesterday. Uh, Bogarts is pretty hot. He had two homers in the uh, first game of the double dip. Uh, Moreland against the righty. He's hitting third. So Betts, Moreland, J.D., Bogarts. Maybe. I was like, I like Moreland because I always think you get him for cheaper than the other guys. The other guys cost you a fortune. Yeah, I'm so pissed, man. Moreland was a free agent in town several weeks ago, and I needed a first baseman. I didn't get him. How about a Moreland, Bogarts, Devers, Chavez stack? You could do that too. You know, an under-owned stack. I, I just think, I mean, I like Ben Attendee and Betts and JD, but those are highly owned dudes. Yeah, they cost a lot. Yeah. All right, Dodgers against the Cubs. Walker, Bueller, Bueller against Cole Hamels. Dodgers' slight favorite at minus 120, over-under is eight. I like both these pitchers. I think there's a game I'm just going to stay away from. Yeah, I think both guys can pitch pretty well. You know, Hamels has been really good outside of the first start of the year, and that was in Texas. And we knew that, you know, I thought going leaving Texas was, you know, the best thing for him. We saw last year in the second half when he came to the Cubs how good he was. Uh, so I drafted him in a lot of leagues. And, you know, the Dodgers obviously are a tough offense, but uh, they've cooled off a little bit. So, yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to go with either pitcher here tonight. Yeah, I mean, I like both pitchers, but I, I don't know. All right, min, uh, the Twins against the Astros. Cole Stewart against Justin Verlander. It's Houston's minus 255. Nine is the over-under. Now, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, Adam. Everybody in the world is going to be on Verlander tonight. I'm going to go contrarian. I don't know if I'm going to go Twins. I just may fade this game because everybody's going to go Verlander, and I think I just I don't want to go with the crowds going tonight. Yeah, I mean, look, it makes sense. Verlander, why the crowd is going towards Verlander. I mean, what you're looking for nowadays with the pitching being so bad, you want a guy that can get you 10 strikeouts. And that's why I was on Zach Wheeler last night. And he pitched better than, than I thought, obviously, and delivered at the plate. You know, Wheeler dominated. He had 11 strikeouts. So I think that's what you want now because so many guys are not going seven, eight innings. We want someone that can go six innings and get double-digit strikeouts. Verlander easily can do that. And this Twins team has not hit him well at all, and they strike out a lot. So uh, I understand what you're trying to do here. It'll save you money, and then if Verlander doesn't have his best stuff, that you're ahead of the pack. But I do think Verlander's in play tonight. Well, I think what I end up doing is having maybe one team with him and like two or three without him because I don't want to not have him, but I can't. You're either, you either have to fade him or be very underweight, and I think I need to be very underweight because uh, don't you think if, if you did 100 lineups, wouldn't you put 50 with Verlander in it? Yeah, I think so. Uh, when you look at the slate tonight and his ability to uh, dominate, um, and I know the Twins are a good lineup, but uh, Verlander uh, still had he's off to a good start. The one thing is he's allowed you know five home runs in thirty innings, but that's kind of the way baseball is now. But you know he easily can get ten to twelve strikeouts tonight. And I think that's what you're looking for now. All right, the Yankees against the Angels. Uh, the over under is eight and a half. CC Sabathia against Felix Jalapena. Um, Pena is interesting because I don't hate him, but he's not reliable. But I don't know if I trust Sabathia either. Yeah, 
I think Pena is in play. I just worry about how deep he can go into the game. But I think if you're looking to save some money, I mean, with the Yankees lineup right now, it's just it's not potent at all. I mean, you saw Luke Voigt with a couple home runs yesterday, but uh, it's a team that's not putting up big runs at this point. So uh, I think he is one of the cheaper pitchers on the slate that you can't consider. Again, we don't really have a – it's not a huge slate tonight with a lot of day baseball and uh, not a – Seems like we're saying this every day, but just not a great night for pitching. Obviously, Verlander is clearly the best pitcher on the slate. Uh, I think you'll see Rodriguez get some ownership. You might even see Bueller get some ownership, although maybe people are scared. Because I don't think the Cubs' offense is that good. I know they went off yesterday, but I just don't think it's that good right now. I mean, Chris Bryant's not hitting. You know, I know Rizzo homered, but it's really not a potent lineup. I mean, there's only a couple bats that you fear at this point. I mean, I like the Bueller move because maybe he will be slightly underowned because the Cubs are hot right now and Hamels is hot and Bueller hasn't been great. So, but he's a great pitcher. I, I, I could see me, you know, fading Verlander and going to Bueller. I could see that. Yeah, I don't, I don't think he has high ownership, would be my guess. But I'm not. Well, he's going to have higher ownership because only a seven game slate. Right, so I think, but I don't think he has thirty-five percent ownership. I think he's got like seventeen percent ownership. Yeah, that's true. So I mean, I think sometimes too, uh, you can't worry about it and just you know take the best arms that you like and uh, try to differentiate with your bats because it's just a, a shorter slate. Now, Pena is he bad against lefty hitters or righty hitters? There's one that he's worse with, isn't he? I think it's against lefties. But the Yankees only have a couple of lefties in the lineup. Yeah, they'll have Talkman, Gardner. We'll see. Well, Frazier's a righty, but we'll see if he's back in. He's 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 the key. If he's out, then that weakens that lineup even more. I'm trying to look here. Give me one second. One moment, please. Please hold. So pitching, and let's see, Los Angeles Angels against oh, against versus lefties. All right, Pena is. No, 235 against lefties. Is that this year, though? This year. You want to yeah, look at last a, year? Yeah, it's a small. I mean, he's only had a handful of starts. All right, last year against lefties. Oh, why can't I find it? Hmm. Oh, no, he was 274 last year against lefties. He's cheap. I mean, I think you can consider him with the Yankees lineup right now. Against righties, he's 172 against righties this year. Last year against righties... He's 220, so he's very good against righties. Yeah, he's right-handed, that's why. So I figured lefties would be the one that gives him problems. But So he might be interesting. If you look at this potential Yankee lineup, you've got Gardner, LeMahieu, Torres, Voigt, Frazier, Ford, Talkman, Romine, Wade. I mean, a lot the, of righties. Gary lot Sanchez of righties. does come back today, but he's righty. So. Right, so maybe Pena's super sneaky, Ronas. Yeah, he could be. I mean, he's, he's pretty cheap, 77 on DK, 59 on Fandle. I, you know, he may be my. Uh, the problem is, is that how many innings can he get me? Because hasn't he gone four and two thirds the last couple of times out? Yeah, they've been pulling him early, which is uh, the the concern there. I mean, you you gotta hope that he again. You're looking for strikeouts now. There's just not a lot of pitchers that are going past the sixth inning nowadays. We're seeing starting pitchers get pulled so early, so that's why, you know, to me, a guy like Verlander. I know you're paying for it, but you got to look at the slate and say, okay, how many guys could give me double-digit strikeouts? That's what I did yesterday with Zach Wheeler. I said, all right, you know what? The Phillies lineup is not the same. No Segura, no Kingery, no Odubel Herrera. I mean, they Franco, they've been hitting eight the entire year, no matter what he did. Finally, with all the injuries, they put him to five. 
So that's why I went with Wheeler. I'm like, he can get me double-digit strikeouts, and he did. But Verlander's 11,000 bucks on FanDuel. I know. I know. It's a lot. I mean, that is insanity. You got to look and see and see if there's enough bats that you like that fit in with him. Now, well, if you if you I could get Bueller at 8900 and I can get Eduardo at 8400. I could get Lyles at 8800. I don't think I can go Peña on FanDuel. I don't. I think it's too aggressive. Right. On DraftKings as your SB2, I think you can do it. I agree with that, but on FanDuel, I got to go Verlander, Hamels, Bueller, Lyles, Rodriguez. It's got to be one of those guys, but man, I don't know. 11,000 is, is is pricey against a Twins lineup who always scares me. They do. Uh, but they have not had success against Verlander, if you like to look at that. Pena's only gone five innings one time. It was his last start. He allowed two hits, two walks, but did allow two home runs. His other starts are four, four and two-thirds, and three and two-thirds. It was at Oakland, Texas, Milwaukee, and Seattle. So he's going to get some really good offenses, though. Um, but because of that, if people see that, then they're going to shy away from him, too. They're like, oh, he doesn't go deep into games. Uh Wait, so you're arguing that he's gone against Oakland, Texas. Yeah, that's true. That's a, then, so those but, are tough lineups. And even Seattle. Yeah, all of them. I mean, it's, none of those are easy. And not that the Yankees lineup is easy, but right now this is not the same Yankees lineup. All right, so I'm going to do one lineup with Verlander, one with Bueller, one with Lyles, one with Eduardo Rodriguez, and one with Pena. Okay. And the donkey, something like that. And then I'll see. You know what it is to me? It's like a, it's like a Tetris. You remember the game Tetris? Yes. So to me, fantasy baseball is like a puzzle. If the pieces don't fit, I don't put the lineup in. I try to set it up and see how I like it. And if it fits, I'll enter the lineup. If I, if I feel like I'm forcing things like a round peg into a square hole, I don't enter the lineup, Adam. It's got to feel right. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, there are certain days where you set a lineup and you're like, oh, man, I just don't like this. You know, uh, And a slate like tonight could be one of them because you don't have as many games. So if you do feel that way, uh, you don't have to play. There's some people who just have to play every day no matter what. But sometimes it doesn't hurt to take a night off if you're not feeling it. Yeah, or I'll, I'll look at a Vernal Lenzer lineup and I'll hate it, but I'll like the Pena lineup and I'll just go with the one. I'll just go with the one that I like, that I can, I can live with. But uh, interesting about Pena. I think I may be in on him. I may be in on him, Ronas. Well, you and also, too, you, you play more tournaments, too. So that's where you take a shot on Pena. You would not use Pena in cash games. He's just too risky. Right, that's true. That's a very good point. All right, who's coming up in hour number two, Adam? Uh, coming up at 3.20 p.m. Eastern, I'll have Greg Jewett from Fantasy Alarm. What are you guys talking about? Uh, frisbee. Nice. Ultimate Frisbee or just Frisbee? Just regular Frisbee. Keep it okay. simple for everyone. So rowdy dollar sign exclamation point Ronus. That's the that name of the <laughs> I don't think... How about R, R apostrophe rowdy Ronus? Raw R three apostrophes. <laughs> Anna hyphen. R O. Will that will, that, will that throw off the system when you go like to the DMV and stuff? All right, guys. This is Doctor Ono saying, "Be well, take care. Be back for hour number two right after this."